I'm Jessica Dorr, and you're listening to The Offering for May 2023. I know things need to change because I've been fantasizing about what I've decided would be a simpler life almost daily. I'll move to the woods, or do an internship at the barn, or find a shepherd to apprentice with. One of my favorite things to imagine in each of these cases is the way my new life will ground both my writing and my therapeutic work. In my dreams, I do less with more integrity. Simplifying fantasies are a bit of a low-hanging fruit for me. They're easy to grab in a time of stress, minimally disruptive, and require little of me creatively in terms of how I might actually improve my current situation. I've been using this phrase, low-hanging fruit, a lot lately. It's my perhaps uncharitable way of describing an idea that feels good to recite or perform, but lacks the degree of detail that an idea has when it's closely aligned with reality. I've never liked the kinds of ideas you hear again and again, and have always been inspired by people who go a bit higher or deeper for something that might ultimately be, or at the very least feel, more true. I think this is why I love reading books. It's obviously not always the case, but part of selling a book is making a case that yours will take the reader beyond what's common or low-hanging. Low-hanging fruits are those ideas that are always sort of floating around in the atmosphere, never far from reach. Temptations in the garden calling to be grabbed in a time of uncertainty. One bite will give a sense of, ah, yes, this is how it is. I've figured it out. I can rest now. If I'm lost or afraid, nine times out of ten when that fruit calls to me, I'm eating it. As a kid, I used to get irrationally annoyed with people who would say things repetitively or things I deemed obvious, but it wasn't until I spent years reading tarot that I really started to think about the ways over-reliance on low-hanging fruit can really affect and shape people's lives. I've sat with and watched hundreds of people perform meanings about themselves that are only questionably aligned with the particulars of their lives, saying things like, I'm this kind of attached, or I know that until I do X, I'll never be Y, or leaning so much on a political or spiritual discourse that their own relationship to the forces they're talking about gets grown over and difficult to locate, let alone touch. Now, watching other people do this has had no effect on how often I do it myself. If anything, it's pointed the way toward hundreds more acres of low fruits for me to grab in my own times of uncertainty than I'd have had access to otherwise. When my circumstances start to feel like they're changing faster than I can keep up with, I'll be the first in line with a basket at the Easy Pick Fruit Orchard. If an idea feels or sounds true in a moment like that, count me in. If you read these offerings regularly, you may know I've been studying narrative therapy this year, and one of the things we do in narrative therapy is pay attention to the discourses we're in that often yield assumptions, expectations, and biases that don't necessarily align with our unique experiences, but are often not immediately visible and so easily go unquestioned. I've been attending to the way it feels when I'm reciting an idea over and over again that has me more than I have it, wondering about where it comes from and who benefits. Psychologist Rachel Hare Mustin defines discourses as sustaining particular worldviews. They illuminate some things and obscure others and can manifest as popular ways of talking about and acting on a common shared viewpoint, which are part of how a given discourse is sustained. Discourses ensure that low-hanging fruits, 
which offer a sense of certainty, security, and belonging, are plentiful. I'll give an example. I'm a social worker who has worked in the mental health field for more than a decade, which means that no matter how critical I might like to think of myself as being, I'm deeply embedded in pathologizing discourses. So when I have a problem in my life, for instance, like being overwhelmed or too busy, which is currently the case, there's an immediate impulse to call what I'm doing something like avoidance or dysfunctional or a coping strategy, always with the implication that it's maladaptive. These are end cap words that are convenient to grab and require little imagination or creativity for me. They help me make sense of my overwhelm by saying it's motivated by unprocessed grief or pain or some other aversive internal experience that I don't have the tools or awareness to deal with otherwise. It can feel good in a moment to call it these things because they're concepts I have a lot of comfort with and a sense of know-how around even if I don't always choose to apply what I know. There's probably some truth in them too. But higher up on the tree, there are fruits that remind me, man, I really love what I do. I say yes a lot because a lot of things that come up really are a full body, hell yes. My eyes are bigger than my stomach with creative work. And I might not go for that higher up fruit when I'm grabbing for meaning around my overwhelm, in part because I have a lot less of a feel for what to do with that way of thinking about things. There's some discourse around competence in there, maybe, that if I'm not competent, that's not okay, and so I shouldn't try. And then on other areas of the tree, beyond low-hanging ideas about avoidance and coping, there are fruits making some excellent points about my questionable relationship with time and why I feel the need to cram five years' worth of work into six months. I didn't learn anything in graduate school about energetics of or relationships to time, and so that's another one I might be inclined to pass over for fear of incompetence, despite the possibility that it might actually be more true. So while they may be less comforting initially, I see both of these higher-up fruits as worth the trouble to go for and grapple with some. And just to be clear, I don't think an idea being common or a fruit being low-hanging or even a product being force-fed through an end cap or relentless advertising makes it wrong or less quality. I do think the low-hanging fruits in my own life can sometimes be limiting. I see what they give me, a safe feeling and a sense of belonging, important things. They snuggle me right up to wise therapists in TV shows and overextended women in my family other self-identified control freaks or codependents or anxiously attached wild women or whatever, plus a whole world of others eating fruits saying similar things in solidarity. But if I'm going to take a low fruit, I want to do so by choice and with an awareness that there's a whole tree's worth of other fruit out beyond it. Maybe under-harvested fruits, maybe tougher to reach and harder yet to digest, but not less accessible if I'm willing and able to seek them, and possibly more true. You're listening to the free monthly offering for May 2023. I make these offerings weekly in both text and audio format for those interested in making a contribution of as little as $5 a month or $50 a year. Paying subscribers get access to the archive of weekly offerings dating back to July 2021. If you're interested in upgrading your subscription, you can do so by hitting the subscribe button in the body of this post. As always, liking and sharing is a great way to support the effort as well. 
This recording was engineered by Lee Clark, and the music is by Lee Clark. The intro is called Evaporate, featuring Kingsley Ibaniche. You can listen to Evaporate in full and more of Lee's work wherever you stream music or at the links in this post. Thank you, as always, for being here, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.